Have you ever had a moment of fear or doubt? I think every single one of us have. Kids, have you ever been up in front of the class and had to talk about something? Maybe it was a speech or a project or even just answering a question in class that you thought you might get wrong. But probably, you probably experienced fear, shaky knees, maybe butterflies. I, did, I know I did, and that's fear. We just don't trust ourselves sometimes. Or students, have you ever heard or read or saw something you thought, I highly doubt that. For instance, have you ever seen something or someone do something on a video and claim that it was their first time, that, that they did it right the first time? The one that comes to mind for me was a few years ago where there was this YouTuber who created a giant water slide with a ramp and he put a kiddie pool around two to 300 feet away from the end of the ramp and down he went landing it perfectly. You have that feeling like there's no way you did that. Sure enough, Mythbusters proved it wrong. We just don't trust the person who created the video sometimes. For adults, I know you've experienced doubt and fear. I know this because I am one of you. I experienced doubt and I've experienced doubts and fears of my own. For instance, when Abby was born, my fear was, am I the kind of dad who can raise a daughter? Boys are not that bad, you know, but girls, girls are a different story. I know the fathers of girls right now are silently agreeing with me. My question for you is, has getting older made you more trusting or less trusting? Today, we're going to learn about this. It's all about trust. Let me paint you a little picture. A boy, a little boy, about four years old, is standing on a diving board overlooking the pool. He has his life jacket on, but you can tell it's his first time being there. He's only halfway to the end of the board, and already his knees are starting to buckle and shake. As you look at the picture a little more, you see his dad treading water below the board, ready to catch his son. He's giving him all kinds of encouragement and praise, but will the boy actually jump? Fast forward two minutes, same two people, same situation, but this time the boy jumps right up on the diving board and runs to the end and without hesitation, off he goes. There's one big difference in these scenarios, trust. The boy trusts his dad, he knows his protector. The boy knows the life jacket will hold him up. The boy knows that even though he may go under, he's gonna come back up again. The boy has experienced the situation before and he knows it's going to be all right. It's all about trust. The passage for today is a beautiful illustration of two sides of trust. This week, we begin a few weeks series in the book of John. The author of the book of John is believed to be the one who is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loves. He was a fisherman before Jesus found him. More specifically, he was the son of Zebedee. He and his brother James were both disciples of Jesus. These two actually wanted to call down fire on a village that wouldn't listen to Jesus and earned the title, the Sons of Thunder, from Jesus. You can find that in Mark 3.17. Who says Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor? He's also believed to have wrote the Revelation and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John had a brilliant mind. He was a deep thinker, imaginative, mystical, he even shows, he skillfully shows the human side of Jesus, calling him the word who dwelt among us. John knew that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And while Jesus was here on earth, he knew Jesus was the reflection of God the Father. One commentary said that he had a real gift of grace and a desire to listen. He was not the most educated one of the disciples yet. 
his eyes were always on Jesus. He had a keen desire to to learn from the master. John was a true believer. Here's how we know John was a true believer. John looked in the tomb, saw the evidence, saw what was left behind, and knew that Jesus was God, understanding his words and his promise, and he believed. He didn't even question it. Our passage today is found in John 20, 19-31. So today we're going to start in the middle of the passage, and then we're going to pick up the first part of it, and then we're going to end where Jesus, with Jesus' concluding statements. Starting at verse 24, John gives us a little insight into another disciple whose name was Thomas. In the first part of today's passage, we see Jesus had appeared to the other disciples, but for some reason, Thomas was not with them at the time. As can be expected, the, uh, the disciples were pretty excited to see Thomas, to tell Thomas all about their encounter they had with Jesus, but his response was less than expected. This really wasn't our first time to actually meet Thomas. If you remember John eleven sixteen, the disciples were trying to get Jesus, trying to talk Jesus out of going to see Lazarus. But because some Jews were wanting to kill him. When Jesus said, let's go, John Thomas's response was, let's go to that we may die with him. Let's go to that we may die with him. I hope it wasn't sarcasm, but it possibly was. Fast forward a little more to John 14, 5. Jesus is telling his disciples about Peter's denial, about what was to come and about how he would be going to the Father. Thomas seems rather concerned and he says, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Notice a little hint of confusion coming out here. Let's process, process this through Thomas's timeline over the last 10 to 18 days after Jesus had told the disciples what was going on. If you're wondering, this conversation with Jesus actually began in John 12. Everything he said would happen did. Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested. He was denied. He had a trial. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. And he rose to life. Thomas gets painted with a very as a very critical and doubting person, but given the situation, had it been any one of us, we may have also been painted the same way. Thomas loved Jesus, but these last few days had turned his world upside down. Everything he had trusted in had fallen apart, and he was left with more questions than answers. He would be filled with doubt and fear and despair. He was a a see-it-believe-it kind of person. Many of us would have been in the same boat if we were in Thomas's situation. Now these other disciples were joyfully telling Thomas all about seeing Jesus, but after everything Thomas had witnessed, and from what we read, this was too much of a stretch for him. His response was, unless I can touch the marks on his hand and put my hands on the marks on his side, I won't believe. This was Thomas's, yeah, right, moment. Sullen, Joyless and in deep despair and bitterness, Thomas couldn't believe he didn't trust. Enter Jesus. Lovingly, he looks at Thomas and he says, go ahead, touch it. Here I am in the flesh. It's really true. Trust me. Imagine being Thomas in that instant. I know for me that would have been, I would have been pretty tore up about that and felt a lot of shame. Probably he was feeling that too and that feeling of being caught in the act. My commentary phrases it like this. 
Jesus's exhortation, stop doubting and believe, has a fine rhythm in the Greek. Literally, it says, do not become unbelieving, but believing. Thomas is being challenged to change, to become like the others who, upon seeing Jesus, embraced him with faith. His response, my Lord and my God, is not a word of astonishment or praise of God. It is a confession of Thomas's heartfelt belief in Jesus. Thus, we learn that the outrageous doubter of the resurrection of Jesus utters the greatest confession of the Lord who rose from the dead. This confession would go like this. I put my trust in you, Jesus. I make you Lord of my life. In these days of confusion and chaos, how do we go about building our faith in Jesus? Jesus, so that we don't fall into the same not trusting trap. I was challenged this week by Pastor Claren, who leads our discipleship huddle, to study the rhythms of Jesus and how he communed with his heavenly father. It's been a good exercise. I've included a couple of passages in the virtual coffee hour questions for you to have a look at. And my prayer is that you may be encouraged by them too. Trust or faith builds as we spend quality time with Jesus, as he did with the Father. Let me say that again. Trust or faith builds as we spend quality time with Jesus, as he did with the Father. I can finish this little message off right here, but we're missing a fairly large part of the passage. The first part of the passage is where we find Jesus meeting with his disciples the first time after his resurrection. Remember, I said we had a bit of a timeline here. This part of the passage happened a week earlier, just as Jesus had met with the other disciples, right? Without Thomas. My Bible entitles this part, The Disciples Commissioned. Commissioning is a word that we don't often use anymore. If you've been commissioned, that means you've been given orders to carry out and the authority to carry out these orders. You've been given a job and everything you need to make sure that job gets done. Do you think that trust is required here too? You bet it is. You need to trust the one who has given you the authority and the job. You need to trust the one who has given you the authority and the job. Let's take a look at the passage. Jesus looks at his disciples, minus Thomas, and they rejoice and worship him when they saw him. And he said to them, I have a job for you. We can read a little more about this account in a little more depth in Luke 24, 44 to 49. He says to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophet, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand scripture. He told them this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. How's that for instructions? Here's what he's saying. Here I am. I fulfilled the scriptures and now you need to go out there and tell everyone about what I've done. And that they may put their, their trust in me and be forgiven. Get out there. Be my representatives. Trust me. I will be with you. Obviously, John believed it because in his final comments, he makes, the, he makes in the chapter, sum the job up perfectly. 
John 20 verse 31 says, but there these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. My question for you today is who do you identify with in the passage? Are you like Thomas? You've got questions. You have some major concerns and you have trouble believing. My prayer for you today is that the confession that Thomas made would also be your confession. He is my Lord and my God. He placed himself under the Lordship of Jesus and put his trust in Jesus. May you do that today. Or are you like John, the devote, so devoted to the master and desiring to be like him in everything he did? Desiring to show others how much Jesus means to you in any way you can. Or could it be that you're a combination of both, but your desire is to be more like John? You're heading in the right direction. Keep trusting. Overcoming doubt and learning to trust is a process. We grow in trust the more time we spend with Jesus. The saying goes, I'm learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. Not, I am like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. This week, I challenge you to spend more time in his word. John's gospel is a great place to start. May you grow in your faith as you trust in Jesus more.